Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour, back with another movie review. This week, we're going over Johnny English Strikes Again, out in theaters now, as long as you, you know, listen to this soon enough. As always, we'll have a spoiler-free section up front telling you whether you should rush out to the theaters to see it or wait for it on your local streaming service. Uh, you know, we'll give some little basic information, and by we, as always, I mean the royal we, because you don't hear my co-host with me at the moment, or at least I hope you don't. I don't think he's in the building with me at the moment. Um, we'll give you a general idea of the rating system, and then afterwards I will dig deep into a little bit of review, dubbing each section worthy or not worthy, much like, you know, trying to lift Thor's hammer, except, you know, not nearly so exciting. All right, so let's let's begin at the beginning. Uh, is it worth running out to the theater to see? In general, uh, this actually would make a pretty decent little date movie, I think. If you've got somebody you need to take to see something, you don't want anything, you know, terribly heavy, you don't want something that's going to be bloody and violent. You don't want something that's going to potentially throw the wrong, you know, vibe. And just something that's pleasant, mostly forgettable. It's a great date movie for that purpose. Now, also, if you are a fan of Rowan Atkinson, it might be worth going out to the theater and seeing it. Um, I always tend to support my favorite actors and directors and the people that I enjoy that make the movies that I like the best. But... Other than that, I would say this is pretty safely in the territory of wait for it to stream. Um, solid movie all around. I enjoyed it. If I didn't have the uh, have the package where I am seeing so many movies so that I can review them for you and for me, but for you, I probably would not have gone to see this in the theaters. Um, all right, so let's break this down. As always, we're going to use our oh-so-scientific, yet not really scientific, breakdown methodology. We're going to look at cast. We're going to look at director and editing. We're going to look at costuming and props. We'll look at location, cinematography, and plot and writing. Each will have its own segment of points attached to it between 10 and 20, totaling to a grand whopping 100 points. You know, it's a lot like the tests that you get at school. Will it pass? Will it fail? Do I want to show my parents? All right, so let's see here. We've got an interesting cast. Um, I think it's interesting because, of course, it's got Rowan Atkinson in it. I am a huge fan of uh, Rowan Atkinson. I have liked him for a very long time. Um, a lot of Americans may only be familiar with his uh, Mr. Bean role. Uh, but back in the days of Black Adder, he was he was fantastic. Uh, he's done stand-up that's just been phenomenal. The the amount of control that he has just with facial expression and and general movement, wonderful. So I always enjoy seeing him in anything. Um, you've got uh, Emma Thompson playing the part of the prime uh, prime minister. Um, Another actress who I love in everything. Now, if you are uh, a fan of cinema, you've most likely seen her in something at some point. If you're a fan of Harry Potter, she had a recurring role in Harry Potter. She was in Love Actually, which was just huge. She had uh, a role in uh, MIB3. Um, 
she had an adaptation of uh, Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing that uh, came out in the 90s, I believe. That was just really, really good. Had Kenneth Branagh in it, too. Um, She's in probably my favorite Will Ferrell movie, being uh, Stranger Than Fiction, and she did wonderful in that uh, with uh, Queen Latifah. And, you know, know, just that was a really... So she tends to be in some really, really good stuff, and I'm always excited to see her in something. Plus, if you've never been able to see her do anything in a theater setting, um, every time I've seen her do anything Shakespeare-related, it's just been fantastic. Um, so having her be in that is pretty pretty cool all around. Uh, you've got that Ben Miller, uh, who reprises uh, the role of the sidekick uh, uh, to uh, Johnny English, uh, Bo, I believe, or Bow. I, I didn't actually get to hear it real well, and I have to admit, even though I like Rowan Atkinson, I have not seen either of the two previous Johnny English movies. It's kind of the only thing of his I hadn't seen up until this point. Um, but uh, from what I've seen, it's uh, like I said, he reprised his role. I, I looked at his um, his IMDb page. Not a lot that I really recognized. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, but just not somebody I'm completely familiar with. Uh, but played a primary and central role within the movie. You've got, uh, and I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm almost certain to uh, mangle this name like I do so many, but uh, Olga Kirilenko uh, playing the role of Ophelia, a competing uh, agent from a different government, uh, did very solidly. Again, nothing I really recognize in her IMDb profile. Not a lengthy files. She seems to be a newer actress, or maybe newer is probably the wrong word, but but one that has not got a depth of um, a depth of things that I would have a chance to really know. You've got uh, Jake Lacey playing the main villain, Jason Volta in this. Also, somebody with not a lot of entries on his profile. Not a lot of stuff that I recognized. Um, I mean, he, he's in here and there on some television shows and some other things, but, um, the right face for this particular part, I think, but just nothing that, uh, nothing that, uh, if I were to see the name of several of these people, it would get me excited ahead. So, I mean, the two main names that before the film comes out, Rowan Atkinson, Emma Thompson, that's, what's going to get me, uh, excited, um, about the movie in general. Now, that being said, um, it's not it's not a depth of casting that gets me. I mean, I'm I'm predisposed towards um, just just fan, I've gotten spoiled by just fantastic groupings of actors and actresses in a lot of movies, especially recently. Some of the uh, some of the attempts by the studios to get just really really not just talented but well-known actors and actresses in uh, groupings of roles has has really made it difficult to impress me I guess sometimes but it you know that's the two big names that they've got in this are big names at least in terms of what you can expect in general from Emma Thompson and specifically comedically from Rowan Atkinson I mean he's just always stellar so while I can't uh, give this like, you know, a 20 of 20 for, for casting, it, it achieved what it needed to achieve, but didn't really, um, I guess, build the anticipation for me quite as much. Also, there's not a lot of, um, 
not a lot of rounding out. I'm trying to find the best way to put this because it's so dependent upon just a couple of actors and actresses. I mean, Emma Thompson's in a handful of scenes and doesn't have a major part. Um, uh, Jake Lacey, even though he is the main villain, not actually in all that many scenes. Um, Olga is in several, but the entire movie is carried by Rowan and Ben Miller uh, acting as the straight man uh, for for uh, Rowan's just crazy, crazy uh, individual. So, I mean, it was good, but not what I would call amazing in that in that sense. So I'm going to give that a solid 12 out of 20. I think that's still pretty good for what it is. Now, the director is David Kerr. Um, he's actually had quite uh, an interesting grouping of um, experience. He's got a lot of television uh, credits. Um, he's done a lot of plays. Uh, he's got a lot of work that he's done in Britain. I'm not as familiar with his set of work, but um, just considering that this is going to have a very British feel to it and British um, sense of humor, um, choosing him as a director seems to make sense to me. Um, and there wasn't anything that I would call oddly edited. There were no gaffes that I saw, you know, just clearly that was wrong. There were several instances where it seems like the actors and actresses weren't, I don't know if invested is the right word. They weren't, you know, just, just, it didn't feel like they were giving it all. Now that could be, uh, as always, that could just be me. I don't know. Um, sometimes it's the way that it's pieced together. Sometimes I mean, it can be, it really is. They're just doing what they need to do to get through it or or they're given the directions. It's really hard to say, so I can't really lay that at the director's feet or at the actor's feet because it could just as easily be my perceptions playing tricks on me. Um, but the effect that I got in terms of the way that the material was related to the viewer, it seemed flat at times. So I, I think most of that was with the writing, um, but I think um, I think some of it could have been just just in the way that it's the third movie in a series. Some of the jokes may be falling short at this point, um, but I'm going to give it just for the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give that a 15 out of 20 um, because I mean, all in all, I think he did just fine. Um, costuming and props, so. This one is fairly simple. Um, the costuming is really pretty solid all around. I mean, this is taking place in modern day. It's taking place in an environment that's not entirely fantastical and not inlaid with a great deal of CGI. So it's practical, normal clothing, costumes, nothing greatly out of the ordinary with a few exceptions. I mean, you're going to have some spy gadgets and spy bits uh, here and there. So it was kind of fun the way that they were able to give that 70s James Bond goofy item feel, which is always, always wonderful with the food based, um, with the food based gadgets. Um, so those were really quite nice. 
um, the exoskeleton for climbing up the uh, exterior of the tower at one point was minimal but right for what it was that was really good um the the vr goggles uh, <laughs> in the in in that little section that was you know very solid um it's it's it you know everything seemed to have its place and and was 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 fairly well done nothing was terribly complicated for the most part it didn't it didn't appear now of course again this is coming from the from the my viewing it it could have been incredibly complicated and i just didn't know so i always try and keep that in mind but just from from the way it appeared nothing looked like it would have been too difficult to make and it wasn't you know too far out there but at the same time there wasn't anything that just blew me away in terms of a particular costume or a particular prop so all in all really solid just generally good uh, seven out of ten uh, again that kind of flows into locations um, a lot of it takes place in um, in england or what i assume must uh, intended to be england um, they travel throughout uh, europe and uh, a variety of other locations um, or at least what are supposed to be those locations. Um, again, for the most part, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, uh, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, standard buildings, standard uh, outdoor. You've got the uh, the what appears to be the private school. Uh, it may be a public school. I'm I'm really not certain. But the school that uh, that Johnny English is teaching at was uh, you get the the internal set of the classroom and the external of the entryway. Uh, both very solid, looked good. Uh, James Volta's uh, yacht from the distance, uh, whether um, <clears throat> whether that was CGI or whether that was a practical ship, um, the on-deck section of the ship uh, looked very good. Um, the internal uh, of uh, his house, uh, as they're going to be... Uh, uh, <laughs> after he had trained in in uh in vr to be able to do what he needed to and take out uh volta and get the information he needs but the actual practical location or the set that they used for the uh internal portion of the house looked very nice i mean all in all again it's one of those things where everything's really solid for the most part nothing just jumped out at me as being amazing but that's good. It's all got to be just kind of uh, generic. Well, generic's not the right word, but it has to blend in. It has to seem uh, effortless, and it, and it did that for what it needed to do. Um, though I do have to give little props for the silliness. Again, uh, I keep coming back to that VR, the whole simulation as he sees it from his perspective. It was just fun, and it didn't have to be greatly amazing in detail and all of that but actually for what it was was really good um so i'm going to give an eight out of ten on the locations on that they needed to go where they needed to or they went where they needed to go and did what they needed to do to make it feel like they they were doing what what needed to be done you know i think i'm rambling at this point i'm not entirely certain but i'm going to go with i'm rambling um moving on to cinematography um this was resoundingly in the kind of okay level um, on the positive side 
I didn't see any just annoying camera angles. Uh, no use of shaky cam that always annoys me when that happens. At least not in, in any way that I really noticed. Um, no lens flaring. No, no stylistic things that can really grate on my nerves. Um, there was also, like I said, the CGI that it had was solid. Um, a lot of standard shots, standard distances, standard you know, two-person shots when there's going to be uh, uh, dialogue happening. A lot of uh, nothing that took any big chances, which is exactly right with a with a comedy like this. Uh, you don't, I don't think you really want to take chances with that. Um, but at the same time, again, nothing that uh, nothing that greatly intrigued me. I th- I thought there was a real opportunity in the nightclub when. Uh, when uh, Johnny English meets uh, Ophelia for the first time at the bar, that they could have taken some really interesting angles. They did the, the kind of standard thing when he's uh, trying to get a hold of something and he ends up throwing it away and somebody trips in the back room so that back room, background is what I meant to say. Uh, so you have the standard you know, shot in the foreground of them. They are clear. The person in the background, not really clear. You see him trip. And I understand to a certain extent you're kind of focusing on his reaction to what happens to them. But I think it would have been much funnier from a slightly different camera angle. Um, even if it was something like seeing it from the, the, the point of view of the, the stem on the glass of the ridiculous drink that he ordered. Um, just kind of. Uh, even if they did something like, well, you've got to, uh, you've got to record everything. So we're going to have to, uh, it's not going to be on a network, but we're going to have a, a camera. And then you could see it from that angle. And then it would almost be even funnier because you're expecting those kind of facial features to have his face mostly out of frame so that you could see the guy taking the fall from what is thrown or even seeing the, uh, seeing the item get launched into the back room and following it for a moment and seeing it lay there on the floor. Um, There were just several instances like that throughout the movie where it seemed like with just a little bit of a tweak, you could have put just a little stylistic flourish on it that would have made the scene even funnier. Now, I could have been wrong. They may have tried that. There may have been some sort of a a, a tester. Who knows? It didn't go so well. Possibly, I don't know, but it just doesn't seem like that was the avenue they were taking. They were going with very traditional kind of uh, takes on this. So because of that, nothing terribly wrong, nothing terribly right. I'm going to give that a 15 out of 20. That's kind of my static, everything's pretty good score. Um, If there was something kind of missing in one respect, other than maybe the cast being a little thinner than I want it to be, it's in the plot and writing. Um... I think there were several missed, again, missed opportunities uh, in, the, in the plot and writing. Uh, there were a lot of callbacks to earlier types of gags. The gag at the end where he loses his pants has been done several times. It was done in Get Smart to a certain extent. It was done in, uh, not an airplane, but um, 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 one of the uh, the the detective-based series that that same actor was in. I mean, it's kind of, oh, he loses his pants, ha-ha, he's half-naked. Uh, or 
uh, a lot of this had very similar feels. Now, part of it, it's a sequel and the tone has already been established and I understand that and they're going to want to follow the tone, but I, I think there could have been some, some more, some more use of some clever writing. There's a lot of, a lot of coincidence, which I understand is a standard comedic tool, but I think it's overused in this in so many ways. Um, I just groaned in several spots because of it. And I don't want to groan in a comedy. I don't want to feel the need to kind of cover my eyes. It's like, oh man, what what's happening here? The bit where they telegraph, don't use your cell phone too close to the nuclear sub or something bad might happen. And you go, okay, so that means that he's going to use the phone too close to the sub and something's going to happen. I bet it'll probably launch a missile. Look, it launched a missile and it makes sense. Now, and there was one good thing about that particular thing. They did did it as a callback to something they planted earlier in the movie where he, he put the little tracker on the ship that made it look like an enemy and that part of it was good, but instead of having it be an accidental, I slipped on a banana peel and both of the attackers managed to run into each other, knock each other out, sort of an accident. I think it would have been more fun to take it in a slightly different direction. So he's, you know, this character's been in this movie for three times, and from what I've read, it's it's kind of kind of standard fare from from one to the other how he reacts but while he can be oblivious wouldn't it be interesting to have him realize the level of obliviousness he has and maybe catch it just a little bit sooner and have that just that moment of clarity be where he could make that slight difference that slight change that actually affected the plot in such a way where he was able to come up with the next move that he needed to make or to be able to thwart the bad guy in some possible way. I mean, some of this goofiness played out. I mean, I, I still have a, a soft spot in my heart for certain of the callbacks I, that I saw in this. You know, the whole uh, trying to get uh, a chance to assassinate him and not being able, because he's got the energy pill and can't train the gun on him and tries to pull out the garrote several times and he keeps avoiding it because he's dancing with her and then he throws her. Very reminiscent of Pink Panther, I believe it's Pink Panther Strikes Again, where um, uh, several uh, assassins are sent after uh, Inspector Clouseau, and just because of his bumbling, he manages to you know stay out of their way. And it's not a new tool, but or tool is not the right word. It's not it's not a new um, it's not a new concept. It's been done several times, but that's in a way kind of the problem. It's been done several times, and I didn't see any sort of a new twist on it that made it interesting it's it's a lot of playing it safe a lot of kind of the same tried and true jokes you know um at the beginning where he's been called in to potentially come into action and the one elderly spy pulls out the pen where he pulls off the cap and i only have so many seconds before i have to put it back into the cap or it's going to explode you already knew how the whole scene was going to play out because there was no way that any of the three of them were going to get hired. It had to be him, which if I've got an exploding cap, that means that it's going to hit them, which means he's going to bumble with the pen, which means he's going to do something that's going to cause them to get exploded and not him. It's, 
it's just too predictable. Um, and I understand it's a comedy. You're not trying to create a, a mystery for the, uh, for the viewer to solve, but at the same time, it should not be that easy. It robs some of the joy from, from the, the whole experience. Now, that being said, the execution of these fairly tried and true concepts throughout the movie were done pretty well. Um, you know, there was maybe some, some, you know, a little bit of weakness. Probably the, the, the only one I can think of that really stood out to me was the point at which they're trying to get the phone from the gentleman at the restaurant before they burn it to the ground. Again, very predictable. Uh, just, it didn't flow real well. Um, it, it was a little odd, but that was the only one that I felt was that way. And it, enjoyable, slightly disappointing is basically all I can say about the, the writing on that one. Um, and I don't know if that was that way from the beginning, if it got edited, who knows. But how it ended up just didn't come across all that well. I'm going to give that one a 12 out of 20. Now, in one of those rare instances, uh, I don't give a lot of bonus points, uh, but I'm going to give one bonus point to this movie just because I really enjoyed one gag out of everything. It's been done before. Again, it's nothing new, but it brings me joy every time I see a version of it. When he pulls out the missiles with the tear gas to clear out the group of cyclists, that still just makes me makes me giggle just a little bit, that kind of a thing. And it was so campy, so very 60s, 70s with that hood-mounted four-rocket launcher. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was That was fun. And overall, the movie really was fun because when you come down to it, out of 100, it ends up scoring 70 with me, which is uh, solid. Uh, it's C-minus territory, which is about where I expect a comedy like this. It's enjoyable. Once in a while, you see it. It's good. And, you know, I, I'm still glad that I got to see Rowan Atkinson perform and Emma Thompson and the rest of the cast and crew. They, they put out a, a film that they can still be very proud of. Um, and, and, you know, of course they don't need me to say that, but uh, I'll say it anyway because it was a fun movie. But uh, let us know what you think. We have a comment section right on our webpage, www.everybodylovesputting.com. Leave us with your opinions of it. Was I being entirely too harsh on this movie? Was this the next comedy classic? Or was I being entirely too nice? Did it just tromp through the same tracks that so many other movies have done before this? Let us know. And as always, we will contact you through any sort of social media medium that we can, or maybe more accurately, we currently use Twitter and we use Facebook. And I don't know if we're going to do any of the other ones yet, but those are the two that we're doing at Putting Guys and at Real Putting Guys. Uh, feel free to follow us. We would love to uh, have more people find out what's going on and get some back and forth. Maybe even eventually we'll do some uh, some little quizzes and and top ten lists from the uh, from the listeners. But until next time, we will see you.